Hi, so welcome back to Advantage Podcast. Um, today I have Danny Belsito with me. Um, just give me a bit of background information on your collegiate career and some achievements you you managed to accomplish over those four years or five years. Yeah, man, I, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be on. I've uh, listened to a few of your episodes, man. I think you're really sharp and I think you're doing something very cool, giving uh, tennis players and coaches a little bit of a spotlight. So First off, thanks for thanks for having me on. Um, but for those that don't know me, yeah, Daniel Belsito actually played four years at Wingate University, which is right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, it's it's in the South Atlantic Conference, which has other schools that you know listeners may know, like a Tusculum, um, Queens mm-hmm. University of Charlotte, where I actually coach now. They were previously okay. in the South Atlantic Conference. They just transitioned into Division One this year now. Um, oh, wow. Lenore Ryan, teams like that. Um, and in the Southeast region, I actually played uh, in the same region, obviously, as you, Tim, and, and North yeah. Georgia. And we never actually got to play against each other during my time. I know I never got to play against North Georgia. I wish I could have. Yeah, but it would have been fun. <laughs> would have been a blast. Yeah, but during my time, I was, uh, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough. I, I, I got to win our South Atlantic Conference Player of the Year our sophomore year. Um, I was a three-time All-American, two times in doubles, one times in singles. Um, and most importantly, during my time there, we got to win two conference tournament championships. We reached our highest ranking in program history of number five in the oh, wow. Division II rankings. And we got to uh, represent the university at the first ever Division II ITA Indoor National Championships, which was super exciting. And, and to be a part of the first D2 National Indoor Championships was was exciting for our university and, and I think exciting for every guy on the team to kind of be able to put that on their resume, you know, represent Wingate on that national map where it hadn't been in years past. So, you know, just a few things like that. But yeah, like I said, most importantly, we got to win a few conference championships as a team. And, you know, that's, uh, that's always a good feather in the cap, have a few shiny rings to to keep in your room for years to come. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, So as an American, how was the transition from like high school to college and did you know how the NCAA worked and like what kind of paperwork you had to do before becoming an athlete or were you kind of clueless? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great question. I mean, the truth of the matter is when I started playing tennis, I never really had any, and this will surprise a lot of people cause I don't think it's the most common thing to say, but I never really had any aspirations of playing professional tennis. Okay. My main goal was always to play in college and try and get, the most, you know, financial aid I could get to, you know, help my parents obviously mm-hmm. pay and hopefully get a degree. So for me, the college route was always the priority. So I did a fair bit of research leading in. Um, yeah. I, I looked up what I needed, what was important, you know, in terms of scoring and testing. And I was actually homeschooled in high school. So I didn't have oh, the wow. didn't have the benefit kind of in high school sports. You know, they kind of set you up. Maybe you have an academic mm-hmm. advisor or guidance counselor in the U.S. who helps kind of push you in the right direction. I kind of had to, to do all that on my own. So I figured, okay, what do I need to do? I need to have good test scores. I need to make sure I'm staying with the eligibility center. I need to be contacting coaches as soon as I'm allowed. You know, all of those things and trying to create those relationships as early as, you know, 15, 16 years old. Um, yeah. So every tournament I played, I did my best to send results to schools mm-hmm. I was interested in. You know, I took the SAT maybe four or five times to try and keep improving my score. Cause I knew as an American, that was probably the, the ultimately most important score that colleges would look at. So mm-hmm. I had a pretty good idea, honestly. And, and I think, you know, that's something that's not always common and I, and I can't really 
relate to the struggles that, you know, players like you and, and other international players have to do when it comes to all the international documentation. <laughs> yeah, for, me, yeah, yeah. for me, it's pretty simple. It's call a coach. It's pretty easy to go take a visit somewhere. I don't have to pay thousands of dollars and fly across the ocean. It's pretty easy to get there. Um, yeah. So for me, the process is was pretty straightforward, but it, it it was a lot because that was that was my main focus from starting tennis was, you know, I want to I want to go play college. It looked like the most fun way to play tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watched a few college matches when I was a bit younger in my career, maybe 12 or 13. And I was just captivated by it, the energy, the crowds, you know, being a college student, having your fellow students come cheer for you. I mean, it was just one of those things where I was like, wow, this is this supersedes anything that, you know, maybe a pot- potential pro career could do um mm-hmm. so for me that was uh, that was always the priority okay cool so you kind of did the main contact with uh coaches yourself or did you have your parents help you a little bit in terms of reaching out to them or did they kind of come maybe watch you in in tournaments as well so how did that kind of work yeah i'd say a little bit of a mixture of all of it um i would say the priority would would definitely have been myself we have a we have a system i'm not sure how how familiar international students are international tennis players with tennisrecruiting.net, which is probably before UTR, which for those that don't know, the universal tennis rating was, was kind of created. It was tennisrecruiting.net. So you had a ranking across the country in your grade, and you would be able to see through your profile what coaches checked on your profile. So I would look okay. almost wow. daily <laughs> and say, you know, who's taking a look? Is it a Division One, Division Two? What conference? What school? Was it the head coach, assistant coach? And I would just send emails out. I'd take, you know, maybe clips of videos from some matches that I'd had, talk about results, give my test scores, and I would just update them. You know, hey, here's here's what I've done lately. Hopefully, you keep me on your radar. And I just did it all the time. And Really, until I was probably 15 or 16, I didn't have any real breakout tournaments, breakout results where coaches really had me on their radar, I don't think at least, um, until I was probably about 16 or 17. And I had a few standout wins over players that might have been committed to, you know, Power 5 schools, ACC, SEC schools, where coaches kind of started to reach back out to me. Um, And then from, from that point, then, you know, my parents would get involved and we'd go on visits and, you know. A lot of the Mm -hmm. in the U.S., you know, if a coach is nearby a tournament, they'll come. But there's Mm -hmm. only a few tournaments, national championships of sorts that, you know, big time coaches will will spend their time to come watch. You know, we have a tournament, the national championship at Kalamazoo, which is like the most famous tournament in the U.S. The winner gets a wild card into the U.S. Open. You know, it's one of those huge tournaments. So when you go there, you you see every Division One coach that there is is coming to watch. So yeah. if you can if you can manage to get into that tournament, you're probably giving yourself a good opportunity to get a scholarship in college, which for me was the ultimate goal, and I got to do that when I was 16. So for me, from that point on, it was you know do as much as I can, build my ranking, and uh, and see what coaches wanted to throw some money my way. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. That leads perfectly into a a, a question I, I want to ask you. Were there any underlying messages um, that you learned over your like collegiate career that you use in your day to day or even like in the process beforehand, like perseverance? Was there anything that really stood out to you throughout your four or five years? Um, wow, yeah. While you're playing? That's a great question. Um, yeah, for, for me, some of the things that stand out that I learned, you know, very luckily from my coach, Michael Cabana, who I, I think is just an outstanding coach. He actually, funny enough, 
I coach, as I mentioned, now at Queens, who I played against yeah. for four years, and now we're in Division One. And as we transitioned into Division One, Coach Cabana actually moved from Wingate over to Queens, so I'm now actually wow. coaching under <laughs> him. But you know, and so learning from him was was a joy throughout my four years. And we didn't have the greatest relationship our first year. He was he was really tough, and and he, he expected a lot out of me. I think he had a lot of expectations, and and two of the things that I realized, you know, would would set me apart throughout. You know, my journey at Wingate and throughout Division Two is discipline and work ethic. For me, those two things you can always control. There's a lot of mm -hmm. things you can't control, like the result, the opponent, the weather. You know, spending your time trying to control those things is a waste of time, quite frankly. But discipline <laughs> and work ethic day in, day out. I think one of the most special things I hear so many successful people say in sports and outside is the, the real winners don't just do things when they're supposed to. They do them when they don't want to. Yeah, and for exactly. me, that's exactly what discipline is, right? You know, we, yeah. you know, from experience, waking up and doing sprints and lifting and practice at 6 a.m., none of us want to do that every day. No. But waking <laughs> up and doing it, giving your 100%, you know, effort, obviously that yeah. leads into work ethic and doing that every single day. That's how results will come. And I think that's the main thing he taught me. And yeah. I've been able to kind of bring into just the day in, day out life now, especially in the professional world after you graduate, you know, it's, you got to work, you know, in, in typical jobs, you know, anywhere from eight to nine to 10 hours a day in sports, it could be up to 12 or 14 hour long days. You mm -hmm. have to have the discipline to make sure you're eating right, make sure you're sleeping well, make sure you're working out, got to keep track of your body, keep track of your mental health. And that takes a toll on you if it you does, don't do it, it. If you don't do that, if you don't have the discipline to do that, it'll take a toll on you. So for me, over the course of four years, I just saw, you know what, if I keep showing up every day, I give 100% give effort, compete in practice, push my teammates, my teammates push me, give 100% in the gym, 100% in the runs. And obviously there were some days where you just had nothing left and you yeah. still give whatever you can give. And, and I think in doing that, just showing up day after day, you really will start to see results. And, and, and that's how in my career I felt. I mean, I went from freshman year, I was out of shape and, and arrogant. And, you know, I, I just thought, you know, I could do no wrong. And then mm -hmm. fast forward two, three years down the line and, you know, I'm, I'm competing for an individual national championship and we're competing for a team national championship. And all I can think in my head is what can we do to get better? What, yeah, what yeah. is the thing we can do the next week to, to get from number five in the rankings to number four for me to get from number two to number one, you know, things like that, where you're always thinking, what can I do to be better? What can I do to be better? And that discipline and the work ethic is what gets you there. So for me over four years, five years, that, those were definitely the two characteristics that I think I was able to, to grow in personally that, that led to a lot of success. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's very, very, very interesting. Um, so that kind of goes into, I, I um, and my team, uh, North Georgia, we, I, I don't know if it happened with you, but it kind of, there's something just clicked. Um, and you can kind of have that moment where everything that you've been working towards just kind of falls into place because of the hard work and perseverance and, and work ethic, as you, as you've been saying. Um, so during your four years, you know, tennis is a very mental game. Did you have any um, ways of coping with different pressures or anything personal that affected you and then affected your tennis? Um, and how did you like over overcome those things? Wow. Yeah. No, that, that's a, another great question, man. You, you, have, you have great questions on, on this podcast. Um, yeah, for me, man, mentally, I was smacked in the face pretty early on with 
you know, a bit of a healthy ego check because I was expecting to come in and in, 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 in America, Division Two is looked down upon. I think very wrongly so, but it's looked at as kind of the, oh, if you're not Division One, are you really that good? Are you, are you really at the level that, you know, you thought you were at if you're playing Division Two, which is so silly, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I'm sure in your experience being on a team that was, you know, a perennial top 10 in the country and, you know, put, sending players to national championships and regional championships almost every year, we would consistently beat Division Ones, as would you, as would schools yeah. like Columbus State and Barry yeah. and, and Division Two. They would consistently beat Division Ones, but it was always kind of that thought process of Division Two is less than. And I fell into that trap when I started at Wingate. When I started there, I thought, okay, well, I, there's no way I'm going to lose. I'm going to wipe the floor with these kids. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, blah, blah blah. I had that very very false confidence, and and I lost the first match I played. And okay. so I realized, okay maybe I'm taking this a little bit easy. Maybe I'm not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not focused. And I had to deal with that for the majority of that freshman year, that chip on my shoulder of, am I really as good as I think I am? You know, am I really at the level I thought? And, and I would deal with that a lot. And, you know, when I lost matches, I took it really, really hard because results that year were always the priority for me. I wanted to have the best record. I wanted to win the most awards Mm -hmm. and they didn't come. And, and that yeah. whole year after that first year was over, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my coach throughout that year. I didn't have the greatest relationship with some of the seniors on my team for how arrogant I was being. So okay. I had to struggle after that first summer, after my freshman year, I really had to look at myself in the mirror and say, what am I here for? What, what, mm-hmm. what am I doing here? What are my goals? And my number one goal from that point on, and I would tell my dad this every day when I was training during the summer, I'd say my only goal now for the next year is for our team to win the conference championship because we lost in the conference championship final that my freshman year. And I was devastated because, you know, obviously some of my best friends on that team, I wanted to win. I wanted them to win and we lost and I was, I was devastated. So Mm -hmm. the only goal was, you know what, from this point on, all I care about is a team conference championship. That's it. All I want is a tournament championship. And that was the motivation Mm -hmm. every day. And I found that all of my personal struggles, all of the ego, the super ego centric decisions Mm -hmm. and thoughts that I was having went away. And I just put all my focus into my teammates, all my focus into my hard work and thought, you know what, if I can contribute one point or two points on the board for my team to win, that's what matters the most. And funny enough, as that happened and as I used that as the focus, then individual accolades became to come in, you know, began to come in. You know, like I said, I won conference player of the year that year and I didn't even care. It's funny enough, there's actually a video (laughs) that my dad took when, you know, I won that award and I was walking away. And I said, I don't care about this trophy. I want the one that matters, which for me was always that tournament championship. And so for me, as soon as I turned it away from myself and I turned it onto my teammates, those mental struggles went away. But there Mm -hmm. were definitely times where, you know, I was I was questioning myself, you know, am I supposed to be here? Am I as good as I say? Should I just, you know, quit altogether? You know, I think Mm -hmm. it's very normal, especially when you go somewhere that like college where you're learning so much about yourself. Yeah. Ego gets questioned. You have new teammates every year, maybe coaching changes, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's hard to always be confident in yourself. But for me, just relying on my teammates, relying on my friends was something that for me always kept me motivated, always kept me confident. And I think our teams from that point on just we became so close. Like you said, yeah. things started to click. We all undertook that mindset of, you know what, this, it's only for the team. Yeah, the name doesn't matter. The win, the point, all that matters is you put your point on the board for the team. That's it. And I think that those next two years after that were the most successful years. I want to say in the history of the 
of the university, I think by a stretch because we mm-hmm. just undertook that mindset. So I think, and that, and that stretches into things outside of sports as well, man. If you, if you really look at it all about yourself, it's so yeah. easy to, to be caught up in, man, am I good enough? What am I doing? I need a direction. But if you cling to the people around you, the team, the circle of people that you have around you, and you rely on them then, mm-hmm. and you push them and you make it about them, mm-hmm. all of that individual stuff goes away and you just enjoy the process, the, the process of growth, the process of improvement, the journey along the way. I think that's the most important thing. Just keep the journey at the priority, not the individual accolades, not no trophies, no wins, no nothing, just the journey. Enjoy the journey and everything else will fall into place. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Uh, some Something similar happened kind of with us. I think towards the later stages, my third and fourth year, kind of something clicked. All of us kind of focused less about individual accolades and more about yeah. the team. And then it just all started to click into place. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's, it actually, one of my um, family members who I, I, I speak to very regularly was like, how, how does it become a team sport? And I kind of just said, you actually forget about the the tennis and you playing it's actually you're competing for your your team that team environment you're supporting one another and I think you've literally just said what I would say is it becomes kind of you don't focus on the individual yourself you focus on the team and then everything just kind of clicks into place and then you trust that process and I think um that's how I kind of described it to to one of my family members of kind of having that um, that team bond is crucial to having success um, out in the U.S. And as you know, you you got that team success, but you also got that individual success through um, looking uh, supporting your your teammates. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and Tim, sorry to interrupt. If I can no, add no. one thing to that, and I think you're exactly right. I think one thing also that can put a lot of things in perspective is the feeling that you have when your team wins and you're not out on the court says a lot about who you are and what your team is. Because I had times where, you know, I would have injuries and I would have to be relying on my teammates to get the job Mm -hmm. done without me, you know, and I wanted to be out there more than anything. And that obviously goes for, for people who are injured. It goes for people who, you know, are, are at the bot maybe the bottom of the team struggling to get in the lineup they're in they're out whenever the mm-hmm. coach calls their number how you act day in day out whether you're on the court or you're not for competition i think says a lot about the team chemistry and the team culture that you have and yeah. one of the things that i always and i never actually got to face no, you guys over at north georgia as a as a player but i got yeah. to face them first year as a coach and one of the things that i saw is you guys are always focused on each other it was yeah. always look to the left, look to the right, work with the guy next to you, tons of energy. Your coaches were engaged. The athletic trainers were engaged. It really was a family. Yeah. And I saw that when you guys faced against our women's team at Wingate over the years. I mean, it, and I think a lot of teams copied that and tried to adopt that for their own team because that truly shows the culture of a team. If, if you yeah, have a team that whether you're on the court or off the court and everybody knows every player wants to be on the court more than anything. But your players mm-hmm. that were off the court were as energized as the players on the court. And I think that says a lot about the program. I think it says a lot about the culture. And I think that that's something that 
you know, you guys should be proud of and a lot of people should strive to have in their college career because I'll tell you, losses are a lot easier to take when you've got a real team around you that's supporting you the whole way and wins are much easier to come by when you've got a team of soldiers <laughs> on the side of the court yelling for you like their life depends on it, even though you know that they'd love to be in your spot. But they love yeah, you enough. Definitely. They've seen you work hard. You put in the hours, and, and and that's how victories and that's how championships are won. So you know, it's a, it's definitely something that I saw during my four years, and and, and had a lot of respect and admiration for your team. Oh well, thank well, thank you. I, I had I I ne- never got to play you, but I saw some of your matches as well, and like the atmosphere was absolutely crazy. So <laughs> it, it goes both ways. Um, so how was it transitioning from? player to coach was there anything you now as a coach would have done differently as a player or um yeah kind of give us a bit um, of information about the transition from uh player to coach yeah it's been a super interesting transition I'll tell you the number one thing that stands out in terms of the differences I thought as a player the feeling of winning a big match, the feeling of, you know, I got the, the very, very fortunate opportunity. I was able to clinch one of our tournament championships, you know, being the final match. And when mm-hmm. I won, it was over and I fell on my back and the team ran on me and, you know, all of those things you dream about as an athlete. And I got to experience yeah. that. And that was exciting, man. That's a once in a lifetime opportunity that, that not everybody gets to say that they felt enough. And I'm super grateful um, and fortunate to have had that happen, but it does not even compare remotely to when you as a coach see the players on your team win a championship. I mean, last year when we won on both men and women's side, we won the South Atlantic Conference tournament titles, which obviously was a little bit bittersweet as we beat my former school Wingate in the championship yeah. on both sides. But seeing these players who, you know, I met in August mm-hmm. when I took the job and I worked with day in and day out from August until April, eight mm-hmm. months. And I, and I heard about their personal struggles and I learned about their families and the cultures that they came from. And, you know, it was hard. It was hard. Mm-hmm. I think I brought in an intensity to that program that they maybe weren't used to, you know, and, and, okay. and they, wow. I could see them change. I could see them grow. I could see them improve mentally, physically, and just become better people mm-hmm. to see them win. I mean, it, it was one of the best feelings I've had in my life. I mean, just, I was so proud. I saw them crying and I saw how excited they were. And and I would be lying to you if I said I didn't shed a tear when I saw some of their reactions, hugging their parents, calling their parents on FaceTime from across the world. I mean, we had a girl who was from South Africa, who's calling her parents. She hadn't seen them in years. Another one from uh, Belarus and and Macedonia and these crazy places. I'm just thinking, man, this is so exciting to be a part of. And, and, you know, the transition has been easier than I thought. You know, I thought maybe as a as a player who had so much confidence and a little mm-hmm. bit of an ego and, and I was ultra competitive that I would have to rein that in as a coach. And it's been mm-hmm. the exact opposite. I've been able to use all of that competitive spirit to help these players and motivate them and drive them to become their best versions of themselves. And that's something I take a lot of pride in, bringing all of that same energy and intensity into coaching. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I care about these players and I care about them personally and I want them to have a great experience and I want them to get jobs afterwards and all of that same passion that I had as a player, I haven't lost any of it as a coach. So really for me, the transition has not been too difficult. I know for some people that's not always the case. It's hard to mm-hmm. separate. But for me, I, I would implore anybody who wants to be a, a young coach, you know, bring that same energy that you had as a player 
to being yeah. a coach and let it naturally come out. Don't hide it. Don't mm. try and, you know, manipulate it and turn it into something too professional or, or whatever. You know, we, you stay in coaching and you stay in college sports because you love it because it's fun. And, and mm -hmm. your players want to feel that. They want to feel that their coach is invested, engaged, and, and loves them winning as much as they love winning. I mean, I yeah. had experiences last year where our team would win and, and they would all grab each other and be yelling and then they'd run straight to me. And that, mm -hmm. that meant the world to me because it, it, it made me realize that they know I'm just as engaged. I'm just as committed to their process as they are. And I think that's been something for me that's been a complete joy and, and why I've loved being a coach since the day I started. Oh, that's well, that's great to hear. And, and very, very interesting as well. Um, so just to finish off, you kind of touched on maybe your, your favorite moment. What was your favorite moment? Um, that you achieved on the court um, with your your teammates or as a coach? Um, what was the standout couple of moments or a moment that you, you've had? Oh, man, that is a, <laughs> that's a hard one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure you can relate, man. Four years of, of high-octane, high-intensity college tennis, man. There's so many moments that stand out. I, I mean, for me, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget what it felt like to win the first conference tournament title. I mean, for, for me, you know, as I explained earlier, like after mm -hmm. losing freshman year and feeling that devastation and, and, and heartbreak, not giving the university what they wanted, not giving my teammates what they wanted, that became such a goal for me and a focus that, you know, I, I just couldn't get out of my head until it happened. So there was so much pressure I felt on my head, you know, playing number one, being a team captain, you know, leading a very young team, a lot of freshmen, into the tournament and you know one one moment for me really that that sticks out is after our semifinal, we won but one of the players on my team Enrico who was a freshman who ended mm -hmm. up developing incredibly and played number one his senior year I mean he's one of my favorite people Enrico Giacomini he's a just an incredible player um, but in the semifinal he lost very very badly it was just a, a maybe his worst performance of the year and he came up to me afterwards and he said you know Danny I just don't know what happened I I, I really – I don't know what happened. I, yeah. I can't tell you. And I looked at him and I said, well, I need you to forget about it because you're, we're going to need you tomorrow. I said, we're yeah. going to need you tomorrow in the final. You need to have a short memory. And I guarantee mm -hmm. if you play well, you're going to be the reason we win tomorrow. And, and he mm -hmm. looked at me and I think he maybe maybe he expected a little bit of disappointment or something. And I was just never going to give him that. I had so much belief in Enrico. I knew how good he was. And he's a, just a phenomenal person. And you know, obviously I'm going to do my best to try and lift him up. Sure yeah. enough, that next day – we ended up getting in a position where we were down 2-1 after doubles, our 5-6 and six won, and then I won to put us up 4-2. And this is back when it was five points to win instead yeah. of four, back you know, when me and you were younger. Yeah. Um, and it was 4-2, and I ran off my court so fast, I left my bag on the court, and I ran straight down to Enrico's court because I saw he was close. Mm -hmm. And he, sure enough, man, four or five points later, clinched that tournament for us. Oh, and wow. it was one of those moments where I'm like, wow, it really did come to fruition exactly how yeah. I said, you know, yeah. he would be the reason. And he sure enough was the reason. And I think that just is a great example in college sports of why having teammates is so important, why having a yeah, short definitely. memory is so important. And, and most importantly, why just believing in the journey and the love of competition is so important, because at the <laughs> end of the day, he could have lost that match again. We could have lost that. But I would have been just as proud as a teammate of the resilience he showed after having such a bad performance to mm -hmm. turn around and compete with everything he has because he loves the team so much. And that, for me, 
it's just something that will always stand out. I'll always tell that story to any of my players who are having a, a down day. Yeah. You know, I'll tell them, hey, listen, here's this example of a guy who had maybe the worst day in his whole tennis career who turned around the next day and, and won a championship. So for me, that that's just a great showing of who he is as a, as a person and, and what really college athletics is all about, just having that team, building, pushing through adversity and, and, and coming out on the other side of champion. Ah, super, super. Well, thank you so much for your brilliant answers. Um, it's been a pleasure to to chat and and get to know you and get to hear your story as well through your college career. Um, so thank you guys for listening and uh, thank you, Danny, as well, once again. Um, so thank you. Thank you. No, I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, it's been an honor. I, I remember the first time I got to meet you, me and my uh, doubles partner, Josh, saw this uh, – strikingly good looking (laughs) British boy from North Georgia. And we're like, we got to go talk to this guy because we thought you were South African like he was. And, you know, we thought, man, we got to go talk to this guy. And obviously it's been a, uh, been a joy getting to know you throughout the last four years, man. You're, uh, you're as sharp as they come. You're a heck of a player. And I, uh, I love what you're doing. I hope you keep it up and I will be tuning into every episode from here on out. Uh, Well, thank you so much.